Hi there, and welcome to Vox Talk, your weekly review from the world of voiceover. I'm your host, Stephanie Cicerelli from Voices. In today's show, I have another great interview for you. I want to thank you for listening last week to David Kaplan. And this week, we have Gina Scarpa. Gina, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Stephanie. I'm so excited to talk to you. Oh, oh my goodness. I am so excited to have you here because Gina, like your student's book, I think that says a lot. One of the reasons why I reached out to you is again, you know, a really good use of your social channels. You let the world know you have a new teaching gig. It's at Quinnipiac University and they have a voiceover program that you are teaching in this fall. So congratulations on that good news. And that's why we're here to talk about that. But of course, as I know, and a lot of people listening know, because you have a big fan base, there's so many people out there that benefit from your coaching, from your tweets, from just your humor. And I love the fact that your mom does voiceover too, and that you got her into it. But we're going to focus, as I was saying, a bit on the teaching position, how you build confidence as a voice actor. And we're also going to spend some time just talking about this post-secondary education in the space of voiceover. People are looking for programs and what they might do to actually get into post-secondary education to cover what they love to do in a creative field. So all of that said, Gina Scarpa, my goodness, so good to have you on the show. You were on earlier in one of our episodes in the Community Spotlight, and it is a pleasure to have you on now as a guest. Yes, it's so great to talk to you. Yeah, so Gina, for those who don't know you, can you tell us a bit about yourself? Sure. So I'm Gina Scarpa. I'm a full-time non-union voice actor from Connecticut, and I actually started way back in the late 90s, in 1998 in radio. I was an intern at a station in New Haven, Connecticut, and ended up being on air for almost 10 years. And I absolutely loved it. I grew up doing theater. That's something that my family did. And I enjoyed it. But there was just something about radio that really personally spoke to me. So I did that for a long time. After that, I ended up becoming a reality TV reporter, of all things, and hosting a podcast and interviewing people as they got kicked off reality shows every week. What? So, you know, <laughs> yeah, really, I don't know how this happened. It kind of came from doing morning show radio. You know, we would interview a lot of people on the morning show and I really enjoyed it. So I ended up transitioning over to becoming the editor in chief of a few different reality TV websites. And I would interview people from, oh my gosh, everything, Survivor, The Amazing Race, American Idol, Top Chef, Project Runway, anything you could think of. I interviewed people on a daily basis. And somewhere in there, around 2014, I started doing voiceover just for some small clients, people that I had connected with through radio, things that I found online. And in 2020, I went full time. I have agency representation on both coasts and in a couple other cities across the country. I'm the voice of Xfinity Rewards. I did Burger King's How to Crypto campaign. I worked with the Portland Trailblazers right before Christmas. And I love what I do. And I love coaching as well. Wow. Everyone, I hope you had a pen and a paper there and just jotted that <laughs> down because there's a lot of, of a, that's an interesting path, actually, to come from interviewing people who essentially didn't make the cut on reality TV shows. That, <laughs> I mean, like, I'm just, because of what I know of you, you're just so encouraging and so inspiring. And I, I'm sure you had more than a kind word for all of those people. And, and that's something about you, Gina, that I just love and I, I want to share with our audience today. So thanks for bringing that to the table, first of all, your heart, <laughs> your compassion, your empathy for people, because voiceover is not an an easy field to get into. No. No. So that said, you'll be teaching this fall coming up at Quinnipiac, as we said. And I just want to talk about this program. Is this a new program entirely that you've been asked to teach? Or how did you kind of get into this? Yes, it's a new course. So I was teaching over the last few months at the Chapin School in New York City online. It's a high school, a private high school. And I was teaching 
just a little course about voiceover, just 30 minutes a week to the freshman class. And it sort of sparked this idea in me about reaching out to universities and saying, hey, I know that the pandemic's been really hard, particularly on the performing arts, on theater, on on camera work. And, you know, voiceover has actually thrived in the pandemic in a lot of ways, even though it's been tough. I feel very lucky to do what I do. And so I would love to do a workshop at your university or your college about voiceover. And almost immediately, (laughs) the head of the theater department at Quinnipiac University, Kevin Daly, got back to me and said, let's have a conversation. Let's Zoom and let's talk about it. We met and we ended up talking about this idea of introducing a course at Quinnipiac, which is super exciting. It's right here in my home state. Quinnipiac also has a game design program, which is super exciting. And the university not only brought me on board to teach this brand new course, but it satisfies the art requirement for all students. So it doesn't just have to be theater students or communication students or game design students. Anyone can take it. It's limited to only 16 people. So I don't know how that's going to go, but I'm teaching it online because I feel like that's a really great environment to be teaching in, especially in 2022 and in the world of voiceover. So much of what we do is online on our own or connecting with other people around the country and around the world. So I wanted it to feel like it would if you were working in voiceover. But yeah, it was kind of unexpected. I really was just asking about offering my time to teach a one-day workshop. And now I'm teaching a full course this fall, starting in late August. Wow. Well, that's how you get work in this business, people. (laughs) You need to like ask someone, would you like me to do this? Can I speak at this place? Can I help you with that? Because oftentimes there's an unrealized need that needs to be met. And they're like, oh, yeah, we actually do need the VO course because this is a multidisciplinary program. And we got video games, we got animation, we've got, you know, like um, video and whatever else. And they're like, yeah, the missing piece here is actually VO. And it truly is because you'll have an acting program. And and certainly the acting programs do touch on voiceover just a little bit. Not enough. Not enough. Not enough. Unless you're going somewhere in New York, maybe. uh, I know I've been on class tours and nice little tours of where was I? I was at Tish. I went to Tish. It was really, really cool. And I got to see the Foley room. I got to do, but it is an experience that you want mm-hmm. to be with other creatives doing things with people who are adjacent to you. They might not be doing exactly what you're doing, but it's still a value. So that when you said this is like a course that's open to anyone within the mm-hmm. field, but what a wonderful introduction to voiceover. What a great way for somebody who's maybe more in the visual arts or that side of things to get an appreciation for, like if I were an animator, my goodness, would I ever want to know how it is that the voice artist has to, you know, work with me. So like a dubbing artist, you'd look at animation totally different from the voice artist who actually dictates what the animator does here in North America, or, or at least when you're creating the original product. I'm sure it's the same everywhere in the world. You're going to draw to the voice, right? So that is really, really cool. I am so excited about that. I hope a lot of people sign up. You said there are only 16 spots. Yeah. Just 16. And, and registration is opening soon. And you know what? You said something that really spoke to me, which is that you just need to ask for the opportunity. I think a lot of people are afraid to do that. And I think throughout my life, going from radio to TV reporting to podcast hosting to voiceover, a lot of people are always like, that's so cool. How did you do it? I'm like, I literally just asked. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I didn't get, I started in radio when I was 19. I didn't know how to be a DJ. I didn't know how to be the editor-in-chief of a TV website or how to be a podcaster. I worked my way up, but I just asked people for opportunities. I literally emailed CBS and said, hey, can I interview people as they get kicked off the Amazing Race and Survivor? And they said, sure. And I was like, oh my God, really? Great. Okay. Awesome. You know, and it was just finding the right people 
and reaching out to them. I sometimes can be very introverted in like social situations in real life, but when it comes to like online communication, I'm very extroverted. I'm not afraid to talk to anybody and I like talking to people and creating new connections. So yes, what Stephanie said, don't be afraid to ask for the opportunity, really, because you never, you never know what could happen. If you told me that this was going to be my life in 2022, even two or three years ago, I would have laughed in your face. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. Yeah. So that is funny though, because really two years ago, who would have thought any of this would have happened, to be honest with you? Like, there, as we were saying um, just before, yeah. like this industry that we're in, um, especially from our vantage point as voices, we had, when, you know, everything hit in 2020, it was mm-hmm. literally like a five-year digital transformation in the space of five months. So it was yes. like, everybody come online, let's do this, you know? And it really helped people who were stuck in kind of thinking about the old way of doing things to now kind of migrate into doing things the way everyone else had already adopted or had started doing and are quite successful doing. On that line, obviously, you went full-time in VO kind of around the time of the pandemic happening. Obviously, you needed some confidence to know that, well, I can (laughs) make this step. I can go from what I was used to doing and interviewing people who were kicked off of Survivor. And I used to watch that (laughs) show. I remember the very first Survivor. Anyway, but yeah, it's come a long way. Reality TV has has definitely come a long way. But like you, again, as someone who made that career transition, decided to work from home, built a home studio that you can do work in that you're proud of and get hired for. What does it take to know that you have what it takes? I mean, that's such a hard question because I know how many people talk about having imposter syndrome and really trying to find their place. And I think that's what held me back for a long time. There's a lot of things that kind of kept me from going full time, but the pandemic just really accelerated things. And my sister had taken a course at Actors Connection in New York, and she said to me, you know, I just really think that you should you should really do this full time. And I was like, okay, great. So I just jumped into doing some online classes and trying new things. And it took me a while. I don't know if I'm as confident as I come off sometimes, but I feel like it's more that I've become really comfortable with myself in a lot of ways. And so much of voiceover is bringing your authentic and natural self to your reads that I feel like that has been the biggest change for me. Definitely, I mean, obviously booking great things and working with great coaches and having agencies pick me up and wonderful students who are unbelievably supportive and complimentary, great friends in the industry. But it's also just, I don't know, like hitting my 40s and saying like, I don't care anymore. <laughs> like yes, This is yes. this is who I am. And this is what I'm bringing to the table. Like I always will tell my students, let's say the casting specs say, Like, let's think about something that we see on voices a lot, right? Real, believable, conversational. I feel like a lot of times people get caught up in that and they're like, I'm going to try to sound conversational. I try to approach the script and say, this is what I sound like when I'm being conversational. And if I'm right for it, great. And if I'm not, that's fine. Because I don't want to try to be something other than what I am. And I feel like the more that I bring my authenticity to it, the more I book and and the more amazing things are happening. And it actually has an effect on my personal life, too, because I just feel comfortable with who I am. And it only took me 43 years to get here, but we did it. <laughs> As it hey, better late does. than never. <laughs> As it always does, right? It, yeah. You feel far more. One thing I heard, right. and for all the ladies who are 40 or over, I've heard that your voice fully matures when you hit 40. So that's it. Yeah. And you're going to be in peak. your prime, your peak. You're going you're to rock <laughs> oh my this goodness. thing. Yeah. That's my voice teacher, um, Susan Eichhorn Young. Big shout out to you, Susan, if you're listening in New York. 
When I studied with her at Western, we were in the middle of all kinds of things when I was at Western. I was starting this business with David. I was finishing up this. We were married. We were going to have kids soon. Like just a whole bunch of stuff was happening all at the same time. And so my teacher was like, you know what? If you ever want to go back to singing, like it, your voice will always be there for you. Your voice won't mature till you're 40 anyway. <laughs> so it's like, okay, well, that's something that's to amazing. put in the bank, right? Um, so, <laughs> yeah. like, and it's just so funny because like, you know, back then I would never have thought that I'd be using my voice, but in this way. So podcasting, of course, being something that was new in the early 2000s, for those of you who mm-hmm. remember, like the, the first video iPod and all this stuff. Yes. Oh my gosh, like driving to Toronto to go to the Apple store because there wasn't one in London. Same. And blah, 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 blah. Oh my you know, gosh, yeah. I, yes. yeah. I was in line. Oh, exactly. You know, going and doing all these fun things. But something else I was just thinking, I picked up on your your speaking about how you started in radio. And I know that a lot of people who come from radio, they tend to Mm -hmm. have a bit of a a sound that they bring with them, be it the persona they developed and they were on air. Mm -hmm. And, And when you're talking about speaking conversationally, like sounding like you are a normal person. So I think that's one of the hardest skills as a voice actor is to actually yes. sound like you are a normal person. So how, <laughs> how do you how do you step into that, Gina? Like what are some things that people can do to sound more conversational? Well, you brought up the radio thing. And sometimes I think a lot of people say that coming from radio is a disadvantage. But I always tell people I disagree. First of all, morning radio is all conversation. So if you come from radio and you'd worked in morning radio, literally all you're doing is talking, you know, to one one or two people in the room. So right there, you have this experience of being conversational. Plus, you probably worked in audio production like many DJs. We would have to do other duties. So there's a lot of things about radio that were really helpful to voiceover. I think the hardest transition in terms of radio over was when I would be on the air, I, w- I would feel like I'm talking to the state of Connecticut. Like, I'm like, I'm talking to everybody and we're having a party and it's a great time. And now we come to voiceover where it's like, we're just talking to one person. And that was a really hard adjustment. So some of the things I do are, like I was saying earlier, I look at the specs, whatever, warm and friendly or informational, knowledgeable. And I say to myself, what do I sound like every day when I'm talking like that? Because my definition of warm and friendly and Stephanie, your definition of warm and friendly might be different. But this is how I, this is how I am. So that's point A. Point B is I really try to put myself in that situation of whatever kind of script I'm reading. So I did a course on mortgages. It was so long. And I mean, I don't know anything really about mortgages or mortgage rates, but I just try to think of myself as someone who went to school for this, is very knowledgeable about it, and wants to pass that information on to someone else who's looking to get into real estate. Or if it's, you know, a script about cryptocurrency, I think to myself, Before I start reading, I say to myself, I am super passionate about crypto and I want to tell everyone what I know about it because I want them to get involved too. So I put myself in the shoes of the person speaking. And then lastly, I think about who I'm talking to. Who is my audience? Am I talking to a family member or, you know, my kid? Am I talking to my best friend, a neighbor? And that also really helps. So there's a couple of different things. And then the last thing I do, I guess, is I will listen back through my audition And I really self-critique and I say, is this really how I sound? And sometimes the answer is like, no. (laughs) And then I'll go back and do it again because I'm like, you don't, I don't sound like myself. I sound like some, I don't know, robotic version of me or something that doesn't really sound like me authentically. So I think it's the ability to listen back and say, "Uh, you know what? I definitely could have done that better. I could definitely make it more me, you know, and bring myself to that more. Because really at the end of the day, if you're not bringing yourself to the script and to the project, then what else is there, right? Like we can all do warm and friendly. We can all do informational. It's that sort of extra thing that only you have. And I know it sounds cheesy, but 
it's just true. Bringing yourself to it is really what makes the difference. So part of confidence, though, Gina, would be like having community, which I know you're really good at developing. But (laughs) what kind of a, a role did having community and the feedback from others play in helping you to build your confidence as a voice actor? I actually think that the voiceover community made a huge difference for me. Prior to 2020, I didn't have another friend that did voiceover at all. So I was really like lone wolf in it by myself, just trying to figure it out and not really knowing a lot of things that were important to my career moving forward. And so I joined a couple of Facebook groups and my favorite was Voice Actors of New York. And I attended Evocation, uh, which was an online convention that really focused on the business of voiceover. Oh my gosh, that changed so many things for me because first of all, I feel like so many voice actors don't really focus on the business side and you need to be a very savvy business person and marketing expert in a lot of ways to be successful. I was lucky that when I I went back to school in my 30s to finish my college degree and I got my degree in marketing with a specialization in SEO. So it's really paid off for me. But doing the convention introduced me to so many people in the industry. And it also introduced me to some of my closest friends in voiceover. And then really Twitter has been the other way that I've, I've, I've made so many friends, people I talk to I mean, either on a daily basis or multiple times a week, people that I play video games with or hang out in Discord with or talk about other things besides voiceover. You know, I've been lucky enough to make some really great connections as well that have led to some awesome opportunities. So, I mean, community has been so important. And I try to foster that in everything I do, whether it's my social media posts or the workshops that I teach. In voiceover, a lot of us have like marketing taglines in mine is meet your new best friend. And the reason why I picked that is partially because I tend to book things that are really warm and friendly, but also because that's just how I try to live my life. I try to be a friend to everyone I meet, whether it's a fellow voice actor or a potential client or a colleague. I don't really feel competitive with people around me and I want to help them. I will refer people. I will encourage people. Yeah. So I just try to give back to what the community gave me two years ago because it has really, truly made a huge difference. Yeah. The Voice Actors of New York is a really great group. We actually spent some time with them in 2019 yes. around the same time that we uh, we did our, um, our world tour. Well, actually, it's just four cities. <laughs> but <laughs> we, did, we did Voice World, for those of you who might remember, Toronto, New York, LA, and Chicago, But yeah, that was fantastic. Karin Guilfrey, wonderful community builder. I'm so glad that you mentioned her. Absolutely. Yes, Karin and Jamie have been awesome. I mean, they really are so encouraging. And the whole environment on that Facebook group is just, it's just very supportive. Like you can ask a question and get some really great answers and not feel stupid for asking it. Because sometimes I think There's just situations where a voice actor is just asking a genuine question they don't know and people treat them like either they should have known better or that's not the right choice, you know, for their career. And then they feel, you know, isolated, dejected. And I don't want anybody to feel like that. So I've gone out of my way to private message people if they're not getting the answer that they want and say, hey, like, let's jump on Zoom for 15 minutes. And I'd love to have a conversation with you to, you know, to answer that question a little bit more in depth. I don't mind doing that, you know, and um, yeah, but that group has been great. And really, um, through that conference, Evocation, 
I, oh my gosh, I learned so many things, but I learned about, you know, my branding. I was able to get on some new rosters. I picked up agents and it was just really from listening to all of the speakers that year. Um, It was very, very influential. And I joined Voices in 2022. No, 2020 as well. There we go. I don't want to confuse people. (laughs) 2020 as well, um, prior to to attending Evocation. And I, I headed into that conference having booked a pretty big campaign through Voices, which was um, VSP, uh, Vision Insurance, followed almost immediately by L'Oreal. And that also had a huge impact on my career. Those two jobs were massive for me, honestly. Oh, my goodness. That's amazing. Like, obviously, people know the name L'Oreal. I mean, who doesn't? <laughs> if, especially if you're a lady listening. Yes. There are huge opportunities that you've noted and seen. And, and obviously, the online space is where these jobs are happening. Oh, yeah, 100%. I mean, what's been great about the pandemic, and that's a weird sentence to say because there's not much, but what what has been great (laughs) about the pandemic is the doors that it opened for so many voice actors. I mean, for me, I only live an hour outside the city. There are a lot of reasons that I don't really ever go into New York. One of them being that I'm just kind of an anxious person and I don't feel really comfortable traveling. So that's a lot of the reason why I didn't pursue voiceover full time professionally because I just I was like, how am I going to do this? Go into the city multiple times a week for auditions and for jobs and things like that. And here comes the pandemic and it opens up all of these doors. All of these companies are suddenly saying, listen, we're just going to take this thing online and go remote and we're not going to look back. So for me, it was amazing. And for people who live in the middle of the country or in more remote areas, it's absolutely incredible what it has done for them. And I feel like it is also said to ad agencies, talent agencies, production companies, I mean, you can look anywhere for voice actors. And if you want someone who came from a specific area, like if you want someone who's got, you know, a Louisiana accent and you want to get right down to like a certain area, you can find that person. You don't need to hope that they're coming into your studio in New York or L.A. I mean, you can just get them in Louisiana online recording for you, which I think is awesome. It's incredible how many opportunities it's provided. And, you know, I I tell people all the time, I almost didn't read for L'Oreal. There were so many people that had already auditioned. I think it was at like, I don't know, 60 or 80 people. And I was like, oh my gosh, there's too many people that read. And I don't know. I don't really think I got the L'Oreal sound, but the project paid well. It was late. And I was like, what the heck? Let's do it. And, you know, lo and behold, I ended up booking it and it ended up leading to several videos on L'Oreal's official YouTube channel about how to dye your hair at home. And I was able to take that to agencies and say, hey, listen, I'm working with L'Oreal on an ongoing basis, which made agents say, well, geez, if L'Oreal wants to work with her, then she can probably book some other things for us, too. So it really made a huge difference to be able to name drop a brand like L'Oreal. And VSP is pretty well known here in the States as well for vision insurance. And I was doing a campaign with them about how to renew your insurance every year. So very, very helpful. Wow. Well, if anyone could make someone feel more at ease or comfortable dyeing their own hair at home, it would be (laughs) you, Gina. I hope it's me. (laughs) I've done it myself several times. Oh, my goodness. I I have not ever tried that. It's kind of the idea scares me uh, because I I just don't think I'd be able to do it right. I don't know. But um, yeah, just all of these amazing opportunities you're talking about. Uh, Obviously, there are people out there who are looking for more voiceover education. And as we know, like you coach, lots of people coach and so on. But When we talk about actual credited, you know, I can get some kind of 
something to put on my resume um, in that sense. This opportunity that you have teaching in the university and, and these sort of things, like these programs exist and they are out there. But how do students even find out about them? Like, are they hearing about them in high school? Because you mentioned no. this one high school. It's like, I don't remember anybody ever saying no. to me about what a voiceover was. Like, I've done voiceover. I did a voiceover before I even knew what a voiceover was. Like, I didn't <laughs> know I did one. So Sure. When I was working in radio, right, and doing commercials and working in production, that is voiceover. And I didn't even know what I was doing. To us in radio, it's just called production. So we were sometimes writing scripts. We were definitely voicing them for all kinds of people. And I didn't even realize I was sort of doing voiceover in my own way. I think the resounding feedback that I've gotten on social media from my posts about teaching at Quinnipiac this fall is that this is not something that's very common. And voice actors would love to see it happening at more colleges across the country. So here in the States, I mean, you have Berkeley College in Boston, that does a voice acting program. You have Savannah Technical College in Georgia that also does a program. There's a few others, you know, spread around. There's Temple University, which is in Pennsylvania. There is Columbia College in Chicago. There's Pace University in New York. There's Wichita State University in Kansas. I mean, once we get past these, you know, half a dozen that I've named, like, I'm really hard-pressed to think. And I'm sure there are more. But it's not really common knowledge of this is the school that, you know, if you say, Oh, you know, like, where do you go for theater? Where do you go for music? You know, we all know, you know, like, oh, well, you go to, you know, NYU or, you know, you go to Juilliard and things like that. But when it comes to voiceover, it's, it's just not that common. So what I found when I was going full time and really taking things up to a really high professional level was... I sort of felt like it was a secret society. I was like, I don't know, you know, I don't know like what to do sometimes and where do I even find this information? So first of all, those schools are all definitely great here in the States to check out. Secondly, finding classes like Actors Connection in New York or Real Voice LA and there's so many others where you're working with agents and casting directors and industry professionals and you know that it's vetted and people can speak highly of it. That's also really helpful. And a lot of this industry, I hate to say it, is kind of just figuring it out as you go. But I'm hoping that the introduction of this course here in Connecticut maybe leads to other schools, at least in the area, thinking, you know, maybe we should do voiceover too. Because it's a great thing for actors to learn. I mean, it's voice acting. And <laughs> a lot of people who are getting into it want to put the emphasis on voice and say, I can do these crazy voices. I can do all these impressions. I'm like almost completely irrelevant right? It's all about your acting. So I would just love to see more schools incorporating this. And the excitement at Quinnipiac was huge. I've already spoken to students, some that were graduating and very sad that they were going to miss out on taking it. But I told them they could reach out to me and I'm already going to meet with one student coming up this week who's an animator. And yeah, I would just love to see it happening more frequently at colleges here and in Canada as well. I think it would be amazing. Yeah, we've got some great programs here actually in town and certainly in Toronto in the areas. There's lots of opportunity, Fanshawe College, there's Western University, uh, there's a handful of other resources that I know out there, Sheridan, Humber. I think that what's really important here, Gina, there's a bit of a missing link, and I want to make sure I t we talk about this before yeah. we go. It's essentially like, how can either the parents of high school students help to prepare them for a post-secondary education in the arts? And second to that, like, how can the actual high schools themselves, the high schools, better prepare students for what will come? Because... Not every school has an arts program in high school. Not every school no. fosters the creativity. They're, they're like, let's do STEM. And I'm like, no, let's do STEAM, you know, like <laughs> science, technology, engineering, arts, and math. Yes. Because obviously it's a parent 
and I know you're a mom, so like this is dear to you, but whatever you could do for your kid to help them to achieve their goals, like you go do it, sign them up for private lessons, put them in a group, do yeah. whatever. Um, and I'm sure that's something parents can do. And perhaps you can speak to that. Next to that, like how can these high schools, because I think that they do bear responsibility, like the arts sure. keeps society going. Like yes. it is the, the life we express ourselves through the arts. People survive the pandemic by appreciating the arts streaming into their homes. Right? Yes. And like, I just think that it's so overlooked, so underfunded. Yes. And so, like, how can those high schools, even if they have teeny tiny budgets, how can they help to prepare a student who might be listening right now or their parents are? How can they do that? Because it's heartbreaking that there just isn't enough encouragement in this area. First of all, if you'll indulge me for one sec, I want to say something about working with kids and teens and the importance of the arts. So my family ran a community theater in Connecticut for over 15 years, and my parents have been married for over 40 years and directed together. So I grew up working on their shows and working with kids in theater. When the pandemic hit, I was teaching kids in elementary, middle, and high school. The kids are all sent home. What I was teaching was vocal performance, you know, mostly singing and dance, harmonizing and things like that. So everybody's home and everybody's stressed and really going through a hard time. And I said to the parents, what if I taught them an online workshop about voiceover? What if I taught them how to do this? And they got some mics. They don't even need to be good mics. They could just practice at home with USB mics. What if I taught them how to do voiceover? I'll do it for free. And so all my kids that I was working with signed up for my workshops and started doing things. And let me tell you what happened. Some of them took to it so well that within, I don't know, three, four months, they were working with Walmart, Target, PBS, Nintendo. Two of them voiced a movie in 2021. Two of them have meetings with agents this week in New York. It was absolutely incredible the way they were able to transition over from theater to voiceover. And this is something that they never would have even known about had it not been for me being in the industry and saying, hey, let me teach you this. The other thing is that doing voiceover during the pandemic gave them some sense of stability, creativity, and community with one another. And I continued to teach them also in the world of performing arts throughout 2020. I did five performances outdoors in parking lots, on city greens, in people's backyards, anywhere that would have me where I could safely get them outside together six feet apart, we were doing. And I feel like the arts, I could like get emotional talking about it. It helped them in ways that like I couldn't even tell you because I had those conversations with them about how scared and isolated they felt. And I tried to give them something that gave them hope. So for any parent listening, the importance of the arts literally cannot be stated enough, whether we're going through a global crisis or just the day-to-day -day basis. Now, when it comes to high schools, I come from a family of educators as well. My dad was a guidance counselor. I think that schools need to look at bringing in voice actors for career week. I'm, I'm so many high schools do career week. I've spoken an after-school program in Bridgeport, Connecticut, and that was really exciting to talk to them because they had never even thought about, you know, doing voiceover as a career. And I'll be speaking at my high school that I graduated from many years ago coming up next month for career week about voiceover. And I would just love to see high schools doing that. I also would encourage voice actors to reach out to their alma maters, reach out to your former high school and your former college and offer to give a talk about voiceover. And let's open up that conversation because this is not something that feels very accessible to a kid, a teen or a college student. And I feel like we as a community can do that and open up more opportunities and conversations for kids and parents of how you can do this, because there's a lot of opportunity for kids and for college students, for sure. Wow, that was a lot. Okay. <laughs> That's like awesome. Motivational speech. No, but you know, it was, it really, um, it, it's been really nice to work with kids on this. And I, and I, you know, I coach and manage 
many kids and have seen how wonderful it's been. But even these two kids that are meeting with an agent this week, they still come back and defer to me about a lot of things, whether that's the rates or the usage for things like there's just not a lot of great information sometimes for, I think, the younger generation, the up and coming voice actors. I mean, unless you're obviously with a big agency or, you know, something like that. So this is wonderful to talk to you about it today because I'm hoping that it encourages more conversations, not only with voice actors, but also with high schools and colleges as well. Oh, well, I would love to have that conversation with you again. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, for sure. So, um, Gina, before we go, I want people to know how they can get a hold of you because, as I said, you coach, but you're also just an all-around amazing person to know. So what are the best ways that people can find you? Oh, thanks so much. Well, my website is voiceoversbygina.com. My studio is Positive Voices, and that website is positivevoicesct.com. And you can find me on social media just at Gina Scarpa. I grabbed it before anybody else could take it. (laughs) Good job. No, that's awesome. (laughs) Well, thank you again, Gina, for being with us today and for sharing of like your heart and all your knowledge and and just your experience in this field, because it's really what it's about is is being able to encourage people and have mentors along the way. And, And I really hope that Vox Talk becomes that to everyone who's listening. So again, thanks, Gina. And we'll look forward to seeing you later, probably on Twitter today. Yep, probably. Thanks, Stephanie. All right. You take care. You too. And that's the way we saw the world through the lens of voiceover this week. I want to thank Gina Scarpa, our very special guest today, for sharing with us. Be sure that you find Gina on Twitter. I know she's very active there, as well as LinkedIn. I want to thank my producer, Jeff. He's been awesome, and he's been producing the shows in the last little while, so I hope you've been appreciating his work, too. And as we look forward to next week, you can expect to hear a really interesting interview with someone who is involved with some basketball stuff. I won't get into anything more. All right, this is Stephanie Cicerelli for Voices. We'll see you next week. Thank mm-hmm. you.